uh, and all the nobody left when they saw me walk up here. So I thank you all also uh, for being here. Amen. Uh, so we're going to get started. <clears throat> Let's see. We're going to start. If you want to turn to Matthew chapter twenty-eight, we'll read Matthew chapter eight twenty-eight one through seven. And if if you don't know, I work at the DMV. It's a very exciting job. Um, but uh, you know, I've been there twelve years now. And um, those first few years, when I had nerves, uh, giving road tests uh, to new drivers or not so new drivers, um, I would get scared. Sometimes I'd come back, my legs were shaking, um, stop signs were ignored, stop lights were ignored. Um, sometimes they would make up stop signs uh, where there was no stop sign. Um, but after a while, uh, I've got pretty well good at uh, having the, the nerves of steel on a road test. Um, but uh, teaching is a different story, amen? Um, so if you see my knees shaking, I must be nervous, no. Um, but no, uh, gradually, God, the grace of God, God is good, ain't he? Um, there's just something about teaching the word of God, um, and when his peace comes down, his spirit is here. Uh, you know, it doesn't matter, doesn't matter how nervous you may feel. When God's word is spoke, it's not going to come back void. Amen? Amen. Um, so let's start in Matthew chapter 28, verse 1. It says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came, am I in the right spot here? Yes, I am, sorry. In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the mother and, uh, and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended. I am sorry. I'm in the long, wrong page. I'm on the wrong lesson. That's why that was not making any sense to what I had been reading. All right. James chapter 1. I apologize. The whole time I was reading, I was like, this is not right, Kevin. Just keep going. Just plow through. You will figure it out any time now. And I did. That's right. <laughs> Could have just taught the other lesson and then uh, a couple weeks early, though. All right, James chapter 1, verse 20 through 22 through 25. This will make a lot more sense, and it will go right along with what I've been studying for the last week. It's funny how that works. So James chapter 1, verse 22. A couple pages more. But be ye doers of the word. It sounds better already. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any man be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is likened to a man beholding his natural face in a glass or a mirror. For he beholdeth himself, and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. Amen. So today we're going to talk about being a, a doer, and not just a hearer of the word. 
So we're going to start out with just a story, um, and I did a little fact-checking just to make sure this story was correct. Uh, you can YouTube this, uh, Google it, uh, and it is true. Uh, so here we go. On a beach in Rio de Janeiro, Marcio Matolius lives in an elaborate sandcastle. He's been in his home for 22 years. He is happy to don the crown, hold a scepter, and pose with a large smile on his wooden throne outside his citadel. The rent for his beachfront lodging is zero, so he has plenty of time to read, golf, and fish. The rates on apartments and condos near the beach can range upward of $300 per night, so uh, Marcio saves somewhere around $100,000 per year on housing. Life is not one long vacation, however. The task of keeping his home from falling down is never-ending. Repairs are regularly needed, and the sand must be watered to prevent crumbling. The castle also retains heat, which is sometimes so unbearable at night that the king of the abode must sleep outside or at a friend's house. And you can watch interviews on YouTube. There are several of them to choose from. Uh, this guy literally built a sand castle. Uh, he, it's probably, from the video, probably about 10 to 12 foot tall, and he's got hollowed out inside with wooden beams, about a 10 by 10 box inside that he can live in. He's got a, a library he runs out of it, a used book library. People come and check books out. Um, so if you have any ideas about needing cheaper rent, uh, if you want to move to the beach, just build your sandcastle. Uh, you can live in that, in that sandcastle. A lot of maintaining. Um, but Jesus told a story about a man who built his house on the sand. It was apparently quite a house because when the rains turned to floods and strong winds assaulted the structure, the Bible says great was its fall. We don't have to guess at Jesus' point. Don't build on the sand, right? We all know that. As we read between the lines, we realize this story about a foolish man is not really about building on beaches uh, like Marcio um, or Marcio, however we want to say that. Uh, it's about making wise choices. For example, choosing to obey Jesus' words. We can see this because the other example, the other man in the story, a wise man, he built his house on a rock, so the rains and the wind did not threaten his home. Um, Let's go to Matthew chapter 7. We're just going to read these verses that uh, we just referred to. Chapter, 20, or chapter 7, verse 24 through 27. It says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and doeth them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat upon that house, and it fell not, for it was founded upon a rock. And every one that heareth these sayings of mine, and doeth them not, shall be likened unto a foolish man. I don't want to be likened unto a foolish man. I don't know about you. Uh, he builds his house on the sand, and the rain descends, and the floods come, and the winds blow, and they beat on the house, and it fell. And great was the fall of it. So the, the first part of verse 24 says, Whosoever heareth these sayings of mine. These two verses come at the end of what we call, we know as the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, and it starts in chapter 5. And I just want to really briefly go over uh, you know, some of the main topics in this Sermon on the Mount so that we know what Jesus is talking about when he says, If you keep these sayings, I'm going to liken you to a wise man. <coughs> so it starts in uh, verse 5. We start with the Beatitudes. 
Jesus says, blessed are the poor in spirit. And just real quick, blessed are they that mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are they which hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Blessed are they which are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are ye when men shall revel you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely, says, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. Then he goes on to say, this is where he says, You are the salt of the earth. Don't lose your savor. You're the light of the world. Then he teaches about the law. Then he teaches about how to handle anger. He goes on teaching on adultery, on divorce, on making promises, on love for your enemies. See, then he goes through in chapter 6, he's teaching about giving and the offering, teaching about prayer teaching how to fast, laying up your treasures in heaven. Your eye is the light of your body, trusting one master. We can't serve both God and riches. Uh, and then starting in chapter 7, he's telling us, don't judge your brother. You've got to take care of your st- what, the mode in your own eye before you try going after anything in anybody else's eye. And then he talks about the golden rule. Uh, then he, he says, straight is the gate. And then and talks about, he warns against false prophets. And he says, if you're not real with me on judgment day, I'm going to tell you I never knew you. And then the next two verses is when he says, Therefore, whosoever heareth these sayings of mine and does them, I'm going to liken him unto a wise man. Amen. So it's important to know what we're talking about when he says, hear these, thing, hear these sayings of mine and do them. So that's what he's, he's referring to. The sayings referred to here are those of the Sermon on the Mount, to a large extent, this sermon explains what people are to do and what they are not to do. So Jesus concluded his address with these words, Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I'll liken him to a wise man who built his house on a rock. It's about hearing and doing. Amen. Unlike the scribes, Jesus did not merely restate the words of other teachers. He taught with authority. That is, his words were the last words on the subjects that he addressed. There's no need to seek second opinions. So the Sermon on the Mount, he's saying, if you keep these commandments, if you keep these uh, sayings that I have just told you, I've, I've taught you these things, you're going to be a wise person in my eyes. That's God talking. God says, you're going to be wise in my eyes if you keep these sayings. That's important. Amen? Um, here's your first blank. Christianity is not a religion of don'ts. Still, some people complain that they could never be a Christian because they see Christianity as a religion of don'ts. From their perspective, all Christianity does is prohibit people from doing what they want to do. For many, this translates into rules that keep us from enjoying life. This is not true, of course, but stop and think. Think if there were no rules. No rules anywhere. You could do what you wanted. No consequences. What kind of life would that be? First, it sounds like, oh, that's awesome. I'm not going to have, I don't have to go to work. I don't have to mow the yard. Uh, But if you think about, think about that for just, you know, 10 seconds, you'll start to realize chaos is going to be the next step. Uh, If there's no rules, uh, I don't have to mow my yard, but it's also no rules saying that that you can't come over and take whatever you want from my house because if there's no rules, uh, then, then there's going to be some chaos. There's going to be some problems. Um, safety would be non-existent. Chaos would prevail. Any idea that, only, that the only good life is a rule-free life is nonsense. 
when we understand that. Because I can say, I don't believe in rules. I don't want any rules. I don't, I don't think we need any rules. Uh, but as soon as your uh, unlawful life comes in contact with mine, and I don't agree with something you do, I'm going to want to start making some rules, right? So we want, some, we want rules. It's just the fact sometimes we don't agree with the rules uh, that are in place. Amen? Um, and, and that's a good point to make, too. This does not mean that all rules are good and should be obeyed. Uh, for example, in response to the command not to speak or teach in the name of Jesus, Peter and John said uh, in Acts chapter 4, said, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge. For we cannot speak the things which we have seen or heard. So there are some rules that if they don't line up with the word of God, uh, God does not expect us to follow those rules. Amen? Amen. Um, the law of Moses placed emphasis on negative commands. Uh, and this is, this is important. In the Old Testament, the laws, there was 365 laws in the Old Testament. Um, but they, gave, they were given no power to transform the lives of the people that were supposed to follow these laws. Uh, the, the beginnings of which were recorded in Exodus chapter 19 and included, uh, oh sorry, there's 613 commandments, 613 commandments. 365 were negative. There were things that we were not to do. So don't do this. There's 365 of them. There was 248 positive ones. These are things that you need to do. Um, But the law, as explained later in Scripture, it did nothing to enable people to keep these commands. Instead, it anticipated its own failure in favor of a better covenant. Uh, And we're going to read out of Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 through 10. For the law having a shadow of good things to come, this is talking about the law in the Old Testament, and not the very image of the things, can never with those sacrifices which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto perfect. Saying the sacrifices that people made in the Old Testament was not good enough to make people perfect. Uh, For then would they not have ceased to be offered, because that the worshipers once purged should have had no more conscience of sins. But in those sacrifices there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and of goats should take away sins. Wherefore, when he cometh into the world, he saith, Sacrifice and offering thou wouldest not, but a body hast thou prepared me. In burnt offerings and sacrifices for sin, thou hast had no pleasure. Then said I, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. Above when he said, above when he said, sacrifice and offering and burnt of offerings and offering for sin. Hang with me. <laughs> for sin thou wouldest not, neither hadst pleasure therein, which are offered by the law. Verse 9, Then said he, Lo, I come to do thy will, O God. He taketh away the first, that he may establish the second by the which will we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. So this is what, uh, in the Old Testament, there's several places, and we're going to talk about those here in a minute, where they are talking about 
Jesus Christ is going to come. There's going to be a different covenant. There's going to be something that is going to give us power to live victoriously. Right now we have all these laws, but they haven't given us anything with the law to give us power to follow every one of the laws. That's why they had to make sacrifices every year, every year, one after another. It didn't make them perfect, but it gave them a way not to be judged, not to be put to death. Amen? Um, Deuteronomy 32 uh, this is uh, the, it says the lyrics of the song of Moses. It says, Then he forsook God who made him and scornfully esteemed the rock of his salvation. They provoked him to jealousy with foreign gods. It's talking about the children of Israel. With abominations, they provoked him to anger. They sacrificed to demons, not to God. To gods they did not know. To new gods, new arrivals that your fathers did not fear. Of the rock who begot you, you were unmindful and have forgotten the God who fathered you. And when the Lord saw it, he spurned them because of the provocation of his sons and his daughters. And he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end will be, for they are a perverse generation, children in whom is no faith. Man, so this is, this is some pretty bad stuff that the children of Israel are, are into uh, Moses was not optimistic about Israel's future. We're going to talk about uh, why. Um, he wrote, I know your rebellion and your stiff neck. If today, while I am yet alive with you, you have been rebellious against the Lord, then how much more after my death? For I know that after my death, you will become utterly corrupt. Picture that. Moses uh, talking to the children of Israel, telling them this. He said, I know that after I die, you're going to be utterly corrupt. Um, and turn aside from the way that I've commanded you. I've been teaching you. I've been telling you what you need to do. And I know as soon as I die, you're going to be corrupt. You're going to do your own thing. Evil is going to befall you in the latter days because you will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger through the work of your hands. Now, the reason for Moses' pessimism, uh, he wasn't just mad and throwing a fit because somebody was doing something wrong. Um, Let's see, in Deuteronomy 31... Uh, God speaks to Moses. God tells him what's going to happen to Israel. He says, Behold, you will rest with your fathers. So Moses, you're going to die. And this people will rise and play the harlot with the gods of the foreigners of the land, where they go to be among them, and they will forsake me and break my covenant, which I have made with them. Then my anger shall be aroused against them in that day, and I will forsake them, and I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured. And many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will say in that day, Have not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us? So, uh, don't be too hard on Moses for being so pessimistic about, about the children of Israel, because God said, this is what's going to happen. You're doing all this work, you're, you're leading them, you're guiding them, but when you die, they're going to they're gonna fall away from everything that you've taught them. But... In the end, they're going to say, this, it's because that we have not followed the Lord. Um, the Israelites had no faith. Uh, Deuteronomy 32 and 20 says that. It, uh, it had been God's intent to establish Israel as a community of faith. He wanted them to be people who would obey his voice and keep his covenant. If so, they would have been a special treasure to him above all people. The Bible says they were going to be a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. God wanted them to believe the words of, that Moses spoke to them. Uh, to believe is to have faith. The people said in Exodus 19, it says, All that the Lord has spoken, we will do. And then they didn't. Amen. Uh, but thank God that, and this is your next blank, the new covenant provides a new birth 
and makes one a new creation with empowerment to be led by the Holy Spirit. Amen. I'm thankful for the power of God because without it, I wouldn't be able to live a victorious life. Amen. Amen. And those blanks were birth and creation for all you that need the blanks, Sister Heather. Man, even uh, the prophets, God spoke to the prophets. Prophets knew that something was coming, and they prophesied about it. Um, in Jeremiah uh, chapter 31, verse 31 through 34, Jeremiah said, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day that I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, my covenant which they broke, by the way, the covenant that they broke. Uh, Though I was a husband to them, says the Lord, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. This is, and this is the new covenant. I will put my law in their minds and write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. No more, every man, uh, no more shall every man teach his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they all shall know me. Now, that doesn't mean that we don't need anybody to teach the word of God. That says when, when uh, this new covenant comes, the Spirit of God is going to be so much greater, so much more available to us than it was in the Old Testament. Um, not, so don't take that saying that we don't need to teach. Nobody needs to teach anybody else. Nobody needs to uh, share the word of God. That's not what that means. Um, I'm only saying that because that's the first thing I thought of when I read. It's like, well, so sharing. Uh, for I will forgive their sins. I will forgive their iniquities and their sin I will remember no more. Amen. I'm thankful for the new covenant. Uh, Ezekiel, he said, I will give, well, in Ezekiel says, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. Amen. Anybody thankful that you don't have a heart of stone? And of course, we're speaking spiritually. Um, Let's see. And my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth. Uh, Sorry, I skipped to the wrong verse. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes. That, that one word, cause. In the Old Testament, they, did, they weren't enabled. They, they didn't have the power. But God says, I'm going to cause you to walk in my statutes. And you will keep my judgments and do them. Isaiah, uh, last example here, Isaiah 59, 21. Says, As for me, says the Lord, this is my covenant with them. My spirit who is upon you and my words which I have put in your mouth shall not depart from your mouth, nor from the mouth of your descendants, nor from the mouth of your descendants' descendants, says the Lord, from this time and forevermore. I'm thankful for the truth. I'm thankful that the truth is always going to be with us. Uh, The truth will never be snuffed out. Amen? So as we compare these prophecies concerning this new covenant, we note the following. One, it's nothing like the law of Moses. Two, it involves a transformed mind. It includes a changed heart. It provides forgiveness of sin, which in the Old Testament, forgiveness of sin was unheard of. Sin was pushed back by the, by the blood of the sacrifices that they had to do every year. So it provided forgiveness of sin. It involves the reception of God's Spirit in the life of a believer. It has something to do with the words that we speak. And number seven, probably, I think, Uh, One of the most important things, it enables a person to be obedient to God's commandments. 
Amen. It's that it's the enabling power that we receive when we receive the Spirit of God that makes all the difference. And I know I've repeated that several times, but that is so important. Uh, moving on, there's enough detail about the new birth. Amen. Sorry. There's enough detail about the new birth in the Old Testament that Jesus expected Nicodemus to understand what he meant when he said uh, in John 3, said, unless one is born of the water and the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wants, and you can hear the sound of it, but you can't tell where it's coming from or where it's going. So is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So Jesus said that, and Nicodemus said, How can these things be? Jesus responded, Are you the teacher of Israel, and you don't know these things? Ouch. You know, God said, Don't you know this? He said, uh, Let's read that again. There, uh, unless you are born of the water and spirit, uh, what he's saying here is you've studied the, the Old Testament. You know the Old Testament, how it's prophesied of this new covenant that's coming. There's going to be a, change, uh, a mind change. God's going to write his word on the hearts of man. Um, and you're a teacher, and you, you don't understand what we're talking about here. Amen. Did I ex- explain that clear enough? Okay. All right. Um, so, so to compare the old covenant, the law of Moses, with the new covenant, um, the biggest—I mean, the the biggest dividing line is grace, is forgiveness of our sins. So we're going from the old, the law of Moses in the Old Testament that was imperfect, that only pushed sins back. Uh, to this new covenant, God says, I'm going to enable you to live victoriously above sin, above temptation, above addiction. Amen? Amen. I'm going to give you the power to do the things that I'm telling you to do. I'm not going to tell you to do this stuff and just leave you hanging and do it on your own will and on your own uh, uh, discipline. I'm going to give you power to do it. Amen? And thank God for it. Uh, so, so then we're going to come to self-discipline or spirit enablement. Self-discipline or spirit enablement. Many people have the ability to discipline themselves to accomplish personal goals. Amen? Anybody ever gone on a diet? Maybe that's not a good example for me as far as self-discipline. Temporary self-discipline. I can do that. We do it in spurts. One week diet here. A very weak diet. (laughs) Many people have the ability to discipline themselves to accomplish personal goals. For example, a person may wish to play a musical instrument Uh, commit to several hours of practice each day or someone who wants to learn a second language can practice that same kind of self-discipline self-discipline is totally different than enablement of the spirit of god amen it's important to know that because we can frustrate ourselves by trying to mimic spiritual things in our life without the power of god doing that anybody ever been there Amen. But the Holy Spirit enables believers to adopt a lifestyle that simply cannot be achieved by self-discipline. For example, the characteristics of love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, these all comprise the fruit of the Spirit. Amen. They are not achievable by goal-setting or by a New Year's resolution. Some aspects of the fruit of the Spirit may be imitated by good manners, 
But anything short of the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in one's life will fail at some point. Paul said, for as many as are... For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. Amen. So there is a huge difference between self-discipline and spirit enablement. And it's important to know that because we don't want to try to use our own self-discipline only to become closer to God. Now, it takes self-discipline, but God is going to meet you there in the middle. He's going to enable you spiritually to do the things that he has called you to do, to do the things that he has written in his word for us to do. Amen? Amen. We want to be a hearer of the word and a doer of the word, and it's only by the Spirit that we can be a doer of the word. Amen. Uh, Moving down, uh, smoke and mirrors versus the mirror. James, he used this analogy of a mirror to describe how believers must not only hear God's word, but also do it. So we're going to read James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25. Man, I should have bookmarked these, huh? James's little book. James chapter 1, verse 22 through 25 which we read a while ago, but we're going to read it again. Um, that was our opening scripture that we had such a problem with. <laughs> James chapter 1, verse 22, But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is likened to a man, beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholdeth himself, and goes his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whoso looketh into the perfect law of liberty, and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you looked in the mirror today. Amen. Because it would be crazy to look in the mirror first thing in the morning, and then just to... Forget about what you saw. Amen? Um, we, would, uh, we would get some pretty funny looks if we went to work uh, without fixing something that we saw that needed fixed when we looked in the mirror. Amen? Our hair would be messed up. Our clothes might not match. Uh, tie might not be straight. Uh, so it's important, James says, uh, not to, to not look in the mirror and then walk away and not change anything. Uh, true religion does not consist of difficult wisdom uh, that's only useful, useful for contemplation. True religion proclaims truth, not only proclaims it, but when it's obeyed, it produces behavior that is beneficial to the person acting and to the recipient of the action. Uh, for in verse 26, 27, uh, right after what we just read, It says, if any man among you seem to be religious and he doesn't bridle his tongue but deceives his own heart, this man's religion is useless. Pure religion and undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. So when the the word of God is heard and obeyed, it produces these beneficial things to both the person that is doing it and the person that is receiving it. <clears throat> I'm going to read uh, something out of uh, this commentary. It says, Pure religion is controlled speech, uh, service to your brother, and separation from the world. That's what verse 26 and 27, if you broke it down, uh, it says, uh, 
if you seem to be religious and don't bridle your tongue, then you're deceiving yourself. Your, your religion is in vain. So it's important that we control what we say. Amen. Pure religion and undefiled before God is visiting the fatherless and widows, serving those in need, uh, and to keep yourself unspotted from the world. Amen. I know that's just three things, but each one of those contains a lot of, lot of uh, stuff that we've got to do. Um, let's see. A person does not receive the value of the word of God until he both hears and obeys it. Um, there's little value in merely hearing. Those who hear but do nothing only deceive themselves. I mean, I don't know... Um, I'll speak for myself. I know that there has been times when I have heard uh, wonderful preaching, great preaching. I've read the word of God. God has spoke things to me. But you know that there was no change that took place until I applied the word to my life. I did what the word said. Right. That, that's so important. But we look over that so easily. Uh, and we, de- we deceive ourselves. When you're deceived, you don't even know you're deceived. So it's important that we not only hear the word, but we apply it. We do what the word says. Otherwise, we're going to deceive ourselves. They think that there is some advantage in merely hearing the word. They are wrong. The term smoke and mirrors is often used to describe how those who practice, big word, prestidigitation. I had to practice that word. Um, these are magicians. They create an illusion by using bursts of smoke and manipulating mirrors. Uh, There's absolutely no place in the Christian faith for illusion, man, because we're only going to deceive ourselves. Uh, It doesn't matter how well we put on a show, doesn't matter what what we act like on the outside, God knows what's on the inside. Amen? Just like a magician using the smoke and mirrors, doesn't matter what we see, he knows what's going on. He knows it's just a trick. Amen? Um. Jesus is warning against praying, against giving, and fasting to be seen by others in the Sermon on the Mount that we went over uh, is essentially a warning against attempting to deceive others into thinking one is doing these things out of deep, true devotion to God. Amen. And that's dangerous. Dangerous not only uh, for us, but for those around us that might be looking up to us. Amen. Um, That's important. Uh, So, uh, your next blank, the mirror, a negative example. Those who hear the word of God but do nothing to bring their behavior into conformity with the word are like those who look into a mirror but do nothing about it, uh, do nothing about what the mirror reveals. Like a mirror, the word does not exist merely to show us our reflection. It exists both to show us what we are and to prompt us to make needed corrections. Amen? That's the whole point of a mirror, and that's why he uses this example. He says, just like we talked about a while ago, when you walk up to the mirror, you're walking up to the mirror for a purpose. Uh, you're wanting to see, do I have hair standing up? Is there something I need to change before I walk out of the house to go to work or to go to church? When we walk up to the Word of God and look into it as the mirror, it's important that we don't walk away without making the changes that God shows us, and he will show us. Um, And like I said, you will be amazed at the work God will do in your life if you start applying the word of God. Amen. It exists both to show us that we are we who we are and what we and it prompts us to make needed corrections the person who does nothing about what the word shows is like someone who does nothing about what the mirror reveals it is pointless to merely look into the word this produces no benefit amen 
Next blank, a positive example of the mirror. In contrast to those who look into the word and do nothing about it, those who will be blessed are the ones who not only look into the word, but who also bring their behavior into conformity with it. And there is such a peace when you obey the word of God. Amen. James used a form of the Greek word minio, which has to do with abiding or remaining to describe the proper response to what one sees in the word. That is, the person will be blessed who does not merely conform with the norms of the word sporadically, but who continues in obedience. So we talked about a sporadic diet uh, that I all too often go on. Um, God's calling us to a continual doing of the word, a lifestyle of doing, of, of following what he says to do. Um, not a sporadic, uh, and I, I'm afraid, uh, well, I'll just say I know that I have fallen into that category, uh, and I'm sure I'm not the only one, but God continues, or he calls us to a, a continual doing of the word of God. Amen. All right, and finishing up, uh, we're going to, uh, let's see, this is Matthew chapter 21. It says, one day, and this is just a paraphrase of the scripture, Uh, One day, a man who had two sons said to the first, Son, go work in my vineyard today. His son answered, I will not. But then later, he regretted his obstinance, changed his mind, and went to work. The man said the same thing to his second son as he did to the first. This son responded, Yes, sir, I will go to work in the vineyard. But he didn't. After Jesus told this parable to the chief priest, and elders, he asked which of the two did the will of his father. Amen. And I want to read that same thing out of the message. I don't know if you can change it up there, but if not, that's fine. We're in Matthew. If you want a Bible that is completely broke down, read the message. You'll you'll be surprised. <laughs> Amen. Matthew twenty one. Verse 28. Starts this way. It says, Tell me what you think of this story. A man had two sons. He went up to the first and said, Son, go out for the day and work in the vineyard. The son answered, I don't want to. Later on, he thought better of it and went. The father gave the same command to the second son. He answered, sure, glad to, but then he never went. Which of the two sons did what the father asked? They said, the first. Jesus said, yes, and I tell you that crooks and prostitutes are going to precede precede you into God's kingdom. Because John came to you showing you the right road. You turned up your noses at him, but the crooks and the prostitutes believed him. Even when you saw their changed lives, you didn't care enough to change and believe him. Amen. Uh, so the first, they, uh, sorry, the man said the same thing. I'm sorry, I'm getting confused, getting mixed up here, sorry. Um, in closing, second time, right? But he said, uh, I'm sorry. Pardon me for just a second. 
That's terrible when you lose your spot in the closing. So we'll just go straight to the point here. (laughs) He's telling them that even after you saw the truth, you didn't do what you knew to do. Amen. Amen. It's so important to God. He tells us all throughout Scripture that you have the Word of God here. You have my Word, but that is not enough. We have to be doers of the Word. We have to apply it to our lives. Um, If we want to get where God wants us to be, if we want to do the things that God has commanded us to do with effectiveness, we've got to do, we've got to apply His Word. It's as simple as that. Uh, We don't want to overcomplicate it. We just want to be a doer of the word. And if you want a a good start, start with the Sermon on the Mount because there are several things in there that he he says, if you do these things, I'm going to count you wise. I'm going to count you as a man. You're going to, you built your house on the right foundation. Amen. Man, so I want to be a doer of the word. I want to do what God has called me to do. I want to do what his word says. Amen. And I know that he's going to be there with me. I know that he's going to be my foundation. He's going to carry me through. He's enabled me with his spirit. Amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Made it through that closing.